we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. All effort implies resistance. All effort implies contradiction. All effort involves an idea separate from action. And hence, our daily lives are in contradiction. Hello and welcome to episode 138 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of extracts carefully chosen from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is effort. Upcoming themes are the sacred, accumulation and ideas. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, an international boarding school offering a personalised, holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org uk for more information. You can also find daily Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on effort has four sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Madras, 1964, titled, Why Do We Make Effort? Because all our life is based on struggle, friction, effort. That's all we know. Struggle, effort, friction which engenders certain forms of energy, and that energy keeps us going. Ambition, greed, envy is friction. And that keeps us, that envy, that greed, that ambition, makes us make effort to achieve what we want. And that gives us certain quality of energy. And that's all we know. 
and what the energy creates misery, confusion, sorrow, we try to escape. Escape into various forms of religious absurdities, or drink, or women, or amusement, ten different ways we want to escape. And we do. But the problem still remains the problem of effort, of conflict, of contradiction. So, education. Society, religion, and their so called sacred books all maintain that you must make effort, effort, effort. Because man is inherently lazy, sluggish, indolent, and unless he makes effort, He's told he will vegetate, he'll become lazy, lethargic, and incapable. And that's what we are brought up, brought up on. From the days of the school till you die. That you must make endless effort. Not only in the family, but in the office. Must make effort to be virtuous, to be good, and so on, so on, so on. We never question if there is another way of living altogether, which is without effort, without friction. A life without friction is the religious life. And a mind without friction, without conflict, which is the religious mind, when that mind acts, it ha- every fro- problem is resolved. It has no problems. And we are going to that. Because one must understand that first before we go into the question of fear. So we make effort. Why? The obvious answer is to achieve a result. effort, we feel we shall degenerate. But before we make an effort, we never inquire into the, into the question why the mind has to make an effort at all. Is it not possible to learn without effort? to observe without effort, to listen, so that that very act of listening is learning. And 
There is effort always, because we are in contradiction. Otherwise, if there was no contradiction at all, there would be no effort. A man who is completely identified himself with a belief as those people who are unbalanced, the psychotic, and most people are psychotic, they have no, they don't make an effort. They're so completely identified with a certain belief, a certain idea, with certain concept, there is no effort. They are that, because they have no sense of contradiction. Please do follow this. <coughs> because unless we understand from the very beginning that a mind that makes an effort is a destructive mind, and therefore incapable of learning. I do not know if you ever thought about the question of learning. When do you learn? Not, I'm not asking the accumulation of knowledge, which is quite a different thing. We're asking, when does one learn? I mean by learning, a movement which is not accumulative, which is constantly flowing, learning, learning, and never accumulating. <laughs> the electronic brains accumulate knowledge, they have knowledge, but they can't learn. And when is this what is the state of the mind that learns? Because as we were saying the other day, life is a movement in relationship. And if you make that movement merely an accumulative process as knowledge, then you don't learn from that movement at all. One can learn only when there is a movement, constant movement, either of curiosity or of exploration or comprehension, more, not in terms of accumulation. You only learn when the mind is completely quiet. Then you begin to learn. For example, you are listening to what is being said, not with ideas, not with opinions, not with the knowledge which you already know, 
or compare what is being said with what somebody else has said, then you are not learning. You can only learn if you listen. And listening is an act of silence. It's only the mind that's very quiet, but tremendously active, that can learn. So we are learning together about this question of effort. And to understand it and to learn about it is not simple. Life is effort, and what are you talking about? We, we are brought up on effort, we make effort. What you say has no meaning. When you assert that, you have already stopped learning. So to learn, which is to share, which is to communicate, you must obviously be in a state of inquiry and therefore a mind that is free from the state of knowledge, of accumulation, and therefore capable of moving, living, acting. Therefore sharing is an active process between you and the speaker. And it's only when we share that is learning. We make effort because we are in a state of contradiction. The contradiction is not only between the idea and the action. The idea being the belief, the concept, the formula, and the difference between our thinking and our acting. I think one thing and do something else. I am violent and I pretend to be non-violent, which is called the ideal. So there is always a contradiction all our life. <coughs> that contradiction is either established deep down in us through society, through our own experiences, through all the innumerable accu accumulation of the, the, what the saints and the teachers and the books have said. So there is this sense of contradiction, invited or existing. We never question that. We never learn about that. So we keep on making effort, because man doesn't want to be in contradiction. 
because that brings misery, that brings extraordinary sense of frustration, conflict, confusion. So he makes more and more effort to get out of it. But he never inquires or learns about this sense of contradiction. So, is it possible to live without effort? Of any kind, at any level, we say it is, don't accept it, The second extract is from the sixth talk in Sanan, 1965, titled Effort Implies Conformity. This morning, if I may, I would like to go into this question of conformity in which is implied imitation moulding thought according to a certain pattern, the pattern being the authority, whether imposed by society or put together by our own experience, and never coming near the origin when we use the word conform, all that is implied. This counterfeiting process, imitation, acceptance, obedience, the desire to conform to a particular pattern. When we use that word conformity, it implies all that. Now, is it possible, first of all, to be totally aware of this conforming process, whether conforming to the past, to the present, or to a future idea, utopia, a concept, whether one is aware of it, then to ask ourselves, is it possible to end this conformity? Because If we would understand this whole process of conflict and effort, one must understand conformity, because effort implies conformity. And whether it is possible to live in this world without effort, which means without conformity, because one can see 
the more effort one makes, the more conflict, the more confusion, and hence the greater the sorrow, the greater the pain. Whether it is possible to live without effort and therefore originally, and therefore non-conforming, but to come to that point one must be aware first, I think, it seems so obvious, the nature of a mind that conforms. Why do we conform at all? Please bear in mind when we use the word conform, we are implying counterfeit, imitation, authority, adjustment, and all that is implied in that. So why do we conform? And conformity implies effort. And therefore, in any relationship in which there is effort, there is no relationship. If I make an effort to be kind to you or to be affectionate or make an effort to be polite, then it, it has no meaning. Kindliness, gentleness, affection is a state of mind in which there is no effort. And to understand that state of non-effort, we must understand fundamentally this question of conformity. And we do conform, outwardly as well as inwardly. I conform when I put on this kind of shirt and trousers. Whereas in India I don't, I put on something else. I conform when I drive a car to keep to the right side and England to the left side. I conform when I have to post a letter. But have I to conform to the poison of nationalism? To a particular pattern of existence? A particular way of thinking? Because that has been imposed upon me by society in which religion, economy, and social influence, all that shapes my mind. So I have to find out if I would live a life in which there is no effort and therefore 
the establishment of right relations and therefore right conduct, right behaviour. Because where there is effort, all that is denied. So I see where there is effort, there must be conscious or unconscious conformity. I see that. I may see it verbally, intellectually, but that's, that's too easy, too, has very little meaning. But to be aware of it, am I aware in my daily activity, in my daily relationship with my friends, family and all the rest of it, am I aware to what extent I conform and being aware of it, becoming conscious of it, knowing that I do conform, not merely superficially but very deeply, because the very nature of the unconscious is conform, is to conform. So I, the mind is aware of all that, is conscious of it. And when we are talking together this morning, the speaker may be aware of it, but that awareness becomes useless if both of us are not aware. If you are also not aware of your deep unconscious or conscious conformity, not adjusting to little things, but deeply, and knowing conformity implies effort, and in a, where there is effort there is no relationship of any kind. And where there is effort there is imitation and conformity. Now, one is aware of it. So obvious. Then one asks oneself whether it is possible at all to be totally free from from the deep cause of conformity. Do you understand? Superficially we have to conform, you have to sit there and I have to sit here, unfortunately. You have to put on this and do that and so on and so on, very superficially. But to search this question out and to find the right answer, not an answer according to one's pleasure, 
which is no answer at all, or according to one's concept, formula, religion, dogma, all that becomes so utterly meaningless and stupid. To find out one has to inquire into this question of fear, and that's why we conform. If one has no fear of any kind, would you conform? The third extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in New Delhi, 1964, titled Is it possible to live without effort? So, one asks oneself, is it possible to live without effort? At every level of our being, not at fragmentary levels. Is it possible to live our daily life of routine, going to the office, the boredom, the insult, the, the dirt, the squalor, the beauty of a sunset, live with all this our modern life so completely in which there is no effort involved at all? Because where there is an effort of any kind, it's a distortion. You make effort because of an idea, of a memory, of a previous experience, which says you must and you must not. And is it possible to live our daily life, because that's the only life we have, and that's the only thing that matters, not your ideas about God and nirvana and heaven and future, they have no value at all. What has value? What has significance, what has vitality and energy is your daily life. The ugliness, the squalor, the bitterness, the disappointments, the anxiety, poverty, the stagnation, the things that are going on in the world, the disintegration in this country with which we, we have to deal every day, unless we have a totally different operational approach to this daily existence, not a future utopia, not the lovely communist world or the lovely religious world, Unless we are, we understand this present life, the immediate life, with all its complexities, 
we cannot possibly under any circumstances change what is taking place in the world, in the family and about you. We need a complete revolution, a complete mutation, not of ideas, not of a formula, however intelligent, however clever, however erudite. We need a complete change of mind, a complete revolution, mutation of the mind. And it's only such a mind can stop the disintegration that's going on, bring a new, new, new set of, new sense of living, new, a, a sense of creativity. And therefore, one has to find out whether it is possible to live without effort, because all effort implies resistance, all effort implies contradiction, all effort it involves idea separated from action, and hence our life, daily living, is a contradiction. Unless that contradiction totally disappears, not in little things, I am not talking about little things, but the contradiction deeply seated in our consciousness, unless that totally disappears, we shall disintegrate, we shall be in a state of corruption, and we, we shall not bring about a different state of mind which can alone solve the immense problems that exist in the world. So, is it possible to live without effort? Don't say yes or no. Don't agree or disagree. Or say, well, all that I know is a life of effort and I don't know anything else. And what you talk about a life without effort is silly. And we see actually that through opposites, through contradictions, through through the four, through thesis and antithesis, bring about a synthesis which is a constant battle of battle effort, and that's all we know. And if you go little deeper behind this pattern of effort, we see effort. Can o- comes about only when there is a resistance. I mean by that word to resist. I like, I don't like, which is merely an opinion according to a memory, according to an idea, according to an experience. And therefore you are not facing facts, 
when I see that colour, I immediately say, I like it or I don't like it. Therefore I have created a contradiction. Can I look at that colour without any judgment, but merely look? In that look you are immediately in contact with that colour. And therefore there is no contradiction. Please, this is really very subtle and important to understand. To listen to something, you are listening to me now, I am saying something which you don't know anything about. Your instinctual response is, we can't do it, or it's not, or is talking about some stupid ideological stuff. Therefore push, push it aside, which is resistance. And from resistance there is a contradiction. And contradiction implies effort, a waste of energy. Whereas if you listen to what is being said, not agreeing or disagreeing, not opposing your opinion against a fact, because what I am talking about is a fact, and whether that pattern of action which we know of can be broken down is the issue, not whether you agree or disagree with it. The final extract in this episode is from the seventh talk in Sarnen, 1981, titled, Does Meditation Require Effort? Meditation demands attention, right? To attain, which is to give your whole capacity, energy in observation. Attention is different from concentration. I hope you are following all this. Are we together in this? Concentration is an effort made by thought to focus its capacity as energy on a particular point. Right? That is concentration. When you are in a school, the teacher says, Concentrate on your book. Don't look out of the window, look at your beastly book. <laughs> and concentrate, you are trained to concentrate. That is to bring all your energy to a particular point, 
which means in that concentration you are not allowing any kind of other thoughts to interfere, right? That is to control. Concentration implies controlling thought, not to wander away, right? I hope you are following. But to focus your thought on a particular subject, on a particular page, on a particular picture, which is thought says that it's important to focus my attention, focus my energy on that. Right? It is the operation of thought. I wonder if you're right with me. It's the operation of thought in which there is compulsion control. Which says, look. So in concentration, please understand this carefully if you don't mind. In concentration, there is the controller and the control. Right? My thought is wandering off. I say it should not wander off. I bring it back, the controller, who says, I must concentrate on this. So there is a controller and a control. Right? Who is the controller? The controller is part of thought. The controller is the past, right? The controller who says, I, must, I have learnt a great deal and it is important for me, the controller, to control thought. That is, thought has divided itself as the controller and the control. So that it's a trick that thought is playing upon itself. I wonder if you see all this, right? Please, we must understand this very carefully because attention is in attention, there is no controller, nor the control. There is only attention. So it is it requires a careful examination into the nature of concentration with its controller and the control. Right? All our life there is this controller. I must do this, I must not do that. I must control my desires, control my anger, control my impetus, you know, control, control, control. Therefore I gradually learn to inhibit myself and there are those people who say, don't inhibit, do whatever you like. Right? That's the game also being played by the gurus. So, one must be very clear in, this, in understanding what is concentration and what is attention. As we are pointing out, inattention, 
that is to attain, there is no control. Please understand this, because as we're going to find out presently, is there a way of living our daily life in which there is no control? Right? As part of meditation, I wonder if you're. You see, a question one must ask oneself Is there in daily existence a way of living in which every form of control doesn't exist at all? Because control means effort. Control means division between the controller and the controlled. I'm angry, I must control my anger. I smoke, I must not smoke and I must resist smoking. Right? And so on, so on, so on. What we are saying is something totally different and therefore it may be misunderstood and may be rejected altogether, which is very common, because we say, well, all life is control. If you don't control, you will become permissive, nonsensical, it has no meaning, therefore you must control. Right? Religions, philosophy, your teachers, every your family, mother, control. But we have never inquired into who is the controller. The controller is put together in the past. The past is the knowledge which is thought. Thought has separated itself as the controller and the controlled. And concentration is all that. And in understanding that we are asking much more fundamental question, which is, can one live in this world with a family, all the rest of it, without a shadow of control. Right? First of all, see the beauty of that question. Because our brain is trained for a thousand years to inhibit, to control, control. It's never operating with the wholeness of the brain. Right? See, the, see what it is doing for yourself. I, you're not learning from me, from the speaker. You are watching your own brain in operation. Rationally, critical examination in which there is no Deception, 
hypnosis and so on. And most of the meditations that have been put forward from the Asiatic world is to control. Control thought so that you have a mind that is at peace. You have a mind that is <coughs> quiet, not eternally chattering. Because silence, quietness, absolute stillness of the mind, brain is necessary in order to perceive. Right? Therefore, all the types of meditation, however subtle, have the root basis to control. Hand yourself over to some guru, to some idea, right? And forget yourself, because you have given yourself over to something, and therefore you are at peace. Which is again the movement of thought, desire, and the excitement of something you have offered and been accepted. You follow all this? So, whereas attention is something entirely different, it is not the opposite of concentration, right? If it is the opposite, then the opposite has its root in its own opposite, right? If love is the opposite of hate, then love is born out of hate. Right? I wonder if you see this. Any opposite has its root in its own opposite. So we are saying that attention is not the opposite of concentration. It has totally divorced from it. So we are going to inquire together what is attention. Does it need effort? Right? That is one of our principal activities. I must make an effort. I am lazy, I don't want to get up this morning, but I must get up. Make an effort. Right? I don't want to do something, but I must. I'm getting tired of this. See how extraordinary that we cannot catch the significance of it immediately. It has to be explained, explained, explained. We seem to be incapable of direct perception between concentration, not concentration camps, concentration and attention. Right? To have an insight in 
into attention and be attentive. Well, we're going to it. When does attention take place? Obviously not through effort, right? When you make an effort to be attentive, it is an indication that you are inattentive and trying to make that inattention become attention. You understand? I'm tired of this explanation. <laughs> Personally, I've le- never learned about any of all this nonsense. Personally, nobody explained all this to me. Thank God. Personally, I've never read about all this. It wouldn't be authentic, it has no meaning. But to have quick insight, you understand? To see instantly the falseness of all religious organizations, all of them. And therefore, you're out of it. You see instantly that the observer is the observed, and therefore no effort is it's so. It's only effort exists when there's division. You follow? So does it indicate our brains have become so dull? Because we have been trained, trained, you follow? So it has lost its pristine quickness, its capacity to see directly and and without all the explanations and words, words, words. But unfortunately, one has to go into this because our minds, our brains are cannot grasp instantly, for example, that truth has no path. You understand? To see the the immensity of that statement, the beauty of that statement, and put aside all paths, the Asiatic, the Western, the North, South, East, West, so that your brain becomes extraordinarily active. One of the difficulties is that we are becoming mechanical. The computer is learning more than quickly than we are learning. The computer can go so far ahead of us. And so, if our brains are not extraordinarily alive and active, 
our brains will gradually wither away. Because all of now we exist because we have to think, we have to be active, partially. But when that computer can take all the work, all the thought, most of the thought, and operate at a rapidity which the brain cannot, then the brain is going to wither. You understand? Please realize all this. This is happening. It's not an exaggerated statement of, his, of the speaker. It is happening now. We are unaware of it. So, we are inquiring into what is attention. In concentration, there is always a centre from which you are acting. Right? You can see it. Right? It's clear. When I concentrate, I am concentrating for some benefit, for some deep-rooted motive, for something to gain and so on, which is from a centre I am observing. Whereas in attention there is no centre at all. When you look something, when you look at something in beds like the mountains, they're extraordinary majesty, the beauty of the valley, the line against the blue sky, the beauty of it for a moment drives out the centre. Haven't you noticed this? And you are for a second stunned by the greatness of it. Beauty is that perception when the centre is not. You understand? You understand? Like a child given a toy, he's he's so absorbed by the toy, he's no longer think, being mischievous. He's completely with the toy. But remove, he breaks the toy and he's back to himself. Right? So most of us are absorbed by various toys. And when the toys go, we are back to ourselves. Now, in the understanding of ourselves, without the toy, right? That understanding, without any direction, without any motive, the, that very understanding is the freedom from specialization, which which makes the whole of the brain act. Now, the whole of the brain, when it's active, is total attention. Right? Look, I point out something else. Oh, 
were always looking or feeling (coughs) with one of their senses, right? I like the taste of something, or hear some music which I... But I never... One never listens, or one never looks at anything with all your senses. Right? Have you ever done it? Oh, God's sake! When you look at a mountain, because of its majesty, your senses are fully on operation. Therefore, you forget yourself. You understand? Now, when you look at the movement of the sea or the water or the sky and the, the slip of a moon, when you look at it totally, with all your senses, that is complete attention, in which there is no sense. Which means that attention is total silence of the brain that is no longer chattering, completely still. Is it taking place with you now? Is your brain completely still? Because we are talking about a stillness, absolute silence of the mind, of the brain. Because there are various forms of silence. The silence between two noises, the silence between two notes, the silence between thought, right? The silence when you go into a forest where there is great danger of a dangerous animal, everything becomes totally silent. I don't know if you know you have. Here you have killed everything. So, this silence is not put together by thought or through fear. When you are really frightened, your your whole body, your nerves, your brain becomes... Haven't you noticed it? Oh Lord. So we're not this is not that quality of silence, it's entirely different. It is the operation of the whole of the brain, with all its senses active, it is that freedom which brings about total silence of the mind. And it is only such a mind such a brain, mind-brain, 
I don't want to divide it to two for the moment, we'll stick to the brain. <coughs> Such a brain that is absolutely quiet, not brought about by effort, determination, by desire, by motive. It is the freedom of order, which is virtue, righteousness in behaviour. And in that silence alone there is that which is nameless and timeless. That is meditation. 